1: Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One. It is Sunday, October tw- 10th. I was almost going to say but That's <laughs> not even a real number. 2021. It is Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. It is also the, well, the after party, if you want to call it that, for the Turkish Grand Prix. So we're all rocking and rolling and having a good time here. You're listening to Mr. Mark Daily, Mr. Mark Hamilton. Mark, How's your weekend going? Enjoying? Are you are you getting ready for the big feast this afternoon?
2: Yeah, so great question. And thank you. We have had a fantastic weekend so far. We have tons of friends and family over. Of course, last year, Thanksgiving didn't really happen. Or if it did, it was very COVID friendly. <laughs> so it's really great to have some friends and family around. Uh, we've been able to catch up on some films. We watched the new... Last night, we watched the new Space Jam film, which uh, we all thoroughly enjoyed. It's it was good, eh? Yeah, it's a visual feast. I love yeah. the sounds, the music. I don't know if I love the movie as much as the first one. And my my little guy, who loved the first one, and has watched it seven or eight times now. <laughs> uh, kind of tapped out, but it was it was good. So the weekend's been fantastic, and I think we're we're preparing our stomachs for the feast that lays ahead. But my weekend has been great. Now, do you do your Thanksgiving on the Sunday? Or do you do yours on the Monday?
1: So what we typically do in our families, we do like a, anytime you have like a three day weekend like this or like Easter as well. Anytime that like the official holiday is like on the Monday, we tend to do the big feast on the Sunday just so we have like a day to kind of like, you know, relax and kind of get ready for the week ahead on, on, on the Monday. So tomorrow is going to be nice and chill. The weather looks good. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm hoping I spent the afternoon cleaning up my bike and getting the, the drive chain clean and lubed and all ready to go they will be able to go and get a get a ride in but it was perfect to have the Turkish Grand Prix this morning, the perfect appetizer for the feast uh, oh, to come this afternoon. And as you so rightly said, uh, before we got, uh, started this, uh, just now that there isn't uh, such, there's not like a million things to talk about, but a very fascinating race, nonetheless. And for two years in a row, we had a very slippery and wet and slick track at, uh, at Istanbul, not as bad as last year, but it was very much uh, a 180 flip for Valtteri Bottas. Last year, he just could and keep it on the track. This year perfect weekend from start to finish and it was it was a perfect result for Valtteri. I couldn't help but thinking that uh, he is maybe racing without the pressure the knowledge knowing that uh, that he's not going to be at Mercedes. Uh, obviously at the end of this uh, season he's going to be going to Alfa Romeo and I'm just wondering if this is uh, maybe played into it a little bit uh, of course these are kinds of conditions that he likes but very impressive uh, from him Max Verstappen coming home second uh, Sergio Perez coming. Home third and Sergio. I'm gonna give him a big shout out because I think he really put up a phenomenal fight. He did what he needed to do, and uh, as, as from a teammate point of view, for Red Bull and for Max Verstappen, keeping himself between Lewis Hamilton and Max, that uh, I guess at about two thirds race distance when Lewis was uh, closing him down really really exciting series of turns they're going through it was at uh 10 12 and 13 then along the pit straight and then yeah, you know, the pit stops and everything but Sergio did not give an inch and then managed to hang on at the end there as well to get the podium. Of course, we'll talk about the the, the pit stops, but he did what he needed to do, not just for Max, but for the team. So he gets a, one of my nominations for driver of the day. I think uh, Carlos Sainz had a, a very good outing, uh, despite starting from the back with that to replace power unit in the Ferrari. But it was it was an interesting race, not a lot of action at the front, but it had some very, very important implications for the championship so we say then we, we talk about that we, we're sometimes a little bit guilty of not uh, <laughs> discussing the uh, the champions uh, championship standing so i'll let you give your thoughts while i pull up the the, <laughs> the, the drivers and constructors uh, points here
2: that's perfect cover because that buys you about 17 minutes by handing it over to <laughs> me my, my thought after this race is it, it's kind of multi-pronged the first thing is that i kind of feel like both red bull and mercedes had a Good weekend and bear with me here. It's the first podium that Sergio Perez has scored since June, which is an attorney to, we're talking three and a half, almost four months. So I'm sure for him that takes an immense amount of pressure off going into the final six races. Of the season. I think Max was in a position where he started second on the grid and he finished second in the race. And I think that's ultimately a good result. And that said, I was very confident based on some of the things we've seen from Valtteri Bottas over the past three or four years that he probably wasn't going to be able to hold Max off after the first couple of corners. But not only did he do so, he ultimately put in what is absolutely his best performance of the season and as much as you wanted to give some love to Sergio for a great result I kind of want to lean back and reflect on Valtteri's performance over the course of the last couple of months because really with the exception of Hungary and Belgium and that Belgium result really doesn't count because it should never have been classified you look at his results since the Styrian Grand Prix podium third second place at the Austrian Grand Prix third place at silverstone retirement at hungary which obviously we've litigated forever he finishes on the podium at zandvoort he finishes on the podium at italy he finishes fifth in russia where he's had some success in the past and then he scores a race win here he has nine podiums now in 16 race classifications this year which is a really strong result when you consider a monaco was stolen from him because obviously there was the issue with the pneumatic gun in the pit mm-hmm. and ultimately he was taken out by george russell and imola so It seems, it feels like Valtteri is putting together an exceptionally strong campaign. And ultimately, if Mercedes win the Constructors' Championship, he deserves all the flowers in the world for making that happen. Because if you index his performances against Sergio, clearly he's been the better driver this year. But ultimately, I'm not upset with the performance of either team this weekend. And we're absolutely going to get into and talk about the entire situation around strategy team by team. But ultimately I thought this was a good result for both teams this weekend and maybe having said that you can kind of tee up the classification and we can look at the current standings
1: well I'll do the kind of the current standings because I got those uh, ready of course uh, the, the, the big question here was <laughs> everybody of course with uh, only half a dozen races uh, to go is uh, Max and Lewis the championship was uh, it was dead tight uh, it was only two points separating the two coming into this race so Max finishing second Lewis uh, finishing fifth today Max now 263 points because I remember on this show we round up to the 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 nearest whole number or down, but well, we're we're not rounding down from point five or rounding up. Two sixty three, Lewis two fifty seven. So there's a, there, there's a bit of a gap uh, between them now. Valtteri one hundred and seventy seven. So he's kind of picked up, uh, you know, reflective of the the season that he's had. Uh, Lando uh, Norris uh, for uh, McLaren one hundred and forty five, and Sergio Perez. See, th- this is where the big gap is, especially in the in, in the constructors. Uh, Sergio after seventeen races. Races only 135 points. Now, if you look at the, the constructors, this is where it gets interesting because there, there's a significant amount of daylight now between Mercedes and Red Bull. And again, rounding up to the nearest whole point because we don't do half points on the show 434 for Mercedes, 398 for Red Bull. I mean, there are plenty of points left on offer here over the, the next half dozen races before we get to Yass at the end of the season. But still, Red Bull, they're going to need more races like this. And it, it's come to the point now that Mercedes is going to have to give away some points and Red Bull is going to have to pick them up. And now historically Mercedes does not give up many points at all from both cars both drivers regardless who's been in that team have always brought home a ton of points so Red Bull I would have to say are probably feeling the heat feeling the pressure that this this constructors might be starting to get away from them a a little bit the indications have been there for a while this should not be really news to anybody that's been watching this championship closely over the past uh, several months McLaren and Ferrari still a really really good uh, battle going on McLaren uh, 240 points uh Uh, compared to 233 or 232 and a half um, for Ferrari. So this could be interesting for that third and final spot in the constructors. And then Alpine, fifth in the uh, in the constructors and they have 104 points so you know I, I should uh, just to very quickly just to read out the, the final race uh, classification because I've got everything all topsy-turvy but everything really does uh, hinge on um, on the on the Drivers Championship that's where we're all looking like I said podium was Bottas Verstappen uh, Perez Charles Leclerc just missing out on the podium I think uh, Charles uh, really had a good race uh, this afternoon obviously he took a bit of a gamble and that was interesting too just because the track never really really dried out and and we'll talk more about this because it really came down to strategy and tactics today. Charles coming home fourth, Lewis fifth after starting 11th after incurring a grid penalty. Pierre Gasly in sixth, Lando North seventh, which was a real surprise considering how strong he was in Russia a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, Carlos Sainz, my driver of the, the, the day, finishing eighth after starting at the back of the grid. Lance Stroll ninth, a nothing weekend, a nothing outing for Lance And, you know, I I want to talk about that in a minute. And then Esteban Oca rounding out the top 10 for the uh, Alpine. Now, right off of the start, before we talk about that, there were a couple of interesting things happened. And that was um, uh, Fernando Alonso trying to touch every single car that he could. Obviously, him going (laughs) off in turn one was not uh, really his fault. He got... um, and tagged on the left rear tire by Pierre Gasly who was ultimately given a five second uh, penalty for that which I thought was a little bit uh a little bit and harsh two
2: penalty points and
1: two penalty points yeah good point yep. um which I thought was a little bit harsh because he was sandwiched a little bit I thought he you know at least from I, I haven't gone back and watched the replay five or six times but at least the replay I saw thought he tried to you know give him as much room as he could but ultimately I guess the stewards uh thought otherwise and then Fernando later on in the lap uh you know hitting uh Mick Schumacher and then, uh, <laughs> forcing him off of the track, he gets a five second penalty and Fernando never really recovered. I mean, I think he dropped down to 18th or 19th. He only recovered to 16th after all that. So I don't know if he had any damage on the car, but that was, that was surprising. And I was really wondering if, whether that was going to set the tone for the day we, we did see a couple other incidents of drivers coming very close so the the only other one that we saw uh that that was really sort of a significant uh well I mean there, there was quite a few but there, there wasn't as much uh you know n- crashing and, and banging as i thought uh, there there was going to be and that was the only the only two incidents that actually warranted a penalty which was uh, which was interesting from my point of view
2: Absolutely. And that ghastly incident is an interesting one because typically, and I think this is probably good context for a, a lot of our listeners typically, with the volume of cars that are squeezing into that first corn, corner, the, the stewards typically take a, a very hands off approach to litigating contact in the first corner on the first lap of a race. And in this case, originally they had indicated that he was largely at fault for the incident, but ultimately ended up clarifying um, and indicating that actually, no, upon review, he was wholly at fault and he wasn't sandwiched. So that's ultimately where the penalty came from. I'm not surprised that he got the five seconds, given the fact that there really weren't any other cars that were involved in altering the trajectory of, of his direction. But I was a little bit surprised that they ultimately provided him or gifted him. As you could say, those two penalty points, it was also good to see, uh, after the race, to see, to see Alonzo make purposeful effort to contact Mick Schumacher, I thought that was a nice touch as well. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I think off the jump, I was expecting a greasy, slippery track. I was expecting to see a safety car. I was expecting to see uh, an absolute slew of DNFs. But really for the just a, the 11th time in the history of formula one. And I don't count Belgium to me. That should never have been classified. It wasn't a result, but if you exclude, <laughs> if you exclude Belgium, this was just, I think the 11th Grand Prix in the history of the sport where we didn't see a DNF and to not see a DNF on a really wet, greasy, unpredictable track like this was a bit of a, a bit of a surprise.
1: Well, you would have thought that somebody would have crashed into somebody else, damaging some bodywork. Somebody would have won- gone off, hit maybe the tires, or got you know some something like that. or got stuck in the gravel. You know, there, there's so many different things that could have happened. And I mean, I, th- I think you raise a really good point that despite the conditions, we we didn't see a safety car, which is, is kind yeah. of interesting. But it was rather strange weather. And I guess if if you live where we live, I, I think that uh, you would you you would recognize the type of drizzle that it was. That it, w- it was raining hard enough just to make everything wet on the road and uh, to, to make it uh, you know damp enough so it wouldn't dry out and, and ultimately we, we didn't see that that, that racing line, that, that dry portion of the track really appeared to maybe what the last 10 laps, maybe right. a dozen laps and, and that's usually very unusual because it, or that, that is very unusual because usually when we see a race start like that where, where it's not a torrential downpour like Belgium that race that wasn't a race and why we always say we don't do half points on the show even though I'm taking, I'm being put on blast in the live chat for saying that I remind people of that. So I'm going to remind them once more that I think half points are stupid. But anyways, that's a, that's a different thing. But, you know, joking aside, you uh, he- Usually when we don't have a torrential downpour, once they get out there on the inters, you usually start to see the racing line dry up uh, after about 10, 15 laps or so. And that's why it was interesting because they they were saying on the race commentary about lap 18 was that sort of magic mark where they were expecting maybe the life of the inters to go away. And that's when they might start see people going in. But ultimately... The, the drivers were doing i think a good job all of them trying to use the moisture on the track to keep the tire temperatures down and, and it was interesting too because danny ricardo was that one real benchmark when he came in because he was really struggling in that first half of the, the 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 race and i guess the big question was when when, when he went into the pits was he going to go on to slicks because even watching on television, it just didn't look like that was going to be the, the right thing. But the, the the radio communication between Danny Rick and the pits was, you know, can you go faster on a new sense, a new set of enters? He said, definitely, he went in and it was interesting how they go through this graining phase. They go into the pit, you know, they come out from their pit stops and then they get the you know, the, the, the tires would start to degrade and then they would start to struggle and then they come back. And ultimately you saw as the, the further that Ricardo went on those tires, the better that he uh, actually started to do. But I was surprised how long the, the the front runners raced or how long that they went. And it was very fascinating because I, I was initially very impressed to see how quickly Lewis was carving his way through the field. But I got to give a big shout out to Yuki Sonoda, who kept Lewis behind him for what, seven, eight laps, which was basically the highlight of his race. So I don't know if he was a kind of um, I, I'm sure there must have been a, some sort of informal communication of, you know, do one for the for the big team, you know, do 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 Us a favor, make sure you keep Lewis behind, or maybe it's just implied or understood. But it was interesting how he just uh, he needed uh, that amount of time to get about uh, or get around Yuki Sonoda, and it was a great pass the way that uh, then that he got him, and that's why I was going to say afterwards that I was very disappointed with Lance Stroll on the weekend that he had because I mean, you know, the the only time I really saw Lance in the entire race, and we're we're homers when it comes to the Canadian guys on the show, obviously was what when Lewis passed him and how it was it, it was it was a non event and then you just knew that for 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 Lewis the further he got up in the field the harder it was going to be and uh, it, especially when he got, got past the the Alpha Tauris and then uh, you know getting up to the Red Bull and the Ferrari and everything so i, I think that Lewis probably feels like a podium got away from him but let, let let's talk about the strategy now because that is where where it all hinged and i think that's the way that 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 Red Bull mm mm-hmm timed it and got their, their 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 pit stop and brought both of their cars in was fascinating because Checo held up Lewis and then eventually he got around right and then Max came in he had an exceptionally good uh, pit stop of uh, 2.1 seconds I think it was I think that even the uh, uh, even the cameraman in the pits was giving a, a fist pump after that uh, you know how impressive it was and then Checo comes in afterwards and then they kind of put uh, Mercedes they put Lewis into this, um, th- th- this bit of this no man's land it's like where what what do we do now? Lewis obviously wanted to stay out. He probably could have done, and then ultimately they pulled him in at the end. That didn't work out. His tires, very much like we saw with everybody else, who they put on a fresh set of inters that they would go away from them, and then you know by the time they kind of went through this uh, bit of degradation—degradation. Degreda- degradation, sorry about that. Need more coffee. Uh, then the tires would come back, but it looked like very much in those last several laps that Lewis was really under threat there from Pierre Gasly, who ultimately. Drove the wheels of that car to stay ahead of Gasly and uh, Lando Norris to 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 really limit the damage. But certainly, I think that uh, Red Bull got it, it spot on their 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 pit stops and their strategy, getting P two and P three. Mercedes got it right for Bottas, or at least that side of the garage did. And Lewis and his team just did not just did not get it right, and ultimately he hemorrhaged uh, some points, gave some points away to Max that uh, he'll feel that he shouldn't have.
2: I have some very, very thorough thoughts on this subject, and my sense is we should probably take a break first, given that we're approaching the 20-minute mark.
1: Oh, good. Well spotted, sir. You know, I'm the one that's (laughs) supposedly like uh, driving it from the, uh, the, the production side, and I completely spaced on that. But very good. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and we will discuss further here on the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Passion.
1: Okay, welcome back. You're listening to Mark Daly and Mark Hamilton breaking down the 2021 Turkish Grand Prix. So we've gotten into the part of the the, the discussion now where we're Red Bull v. uh, Mercedes and not even Red Bull v. Mercedes, but Red Bull versus Lewis Hamilton because only 50% of Mercedes got their pit strategy right today. And I know you have an encyclopedia worth of notes there, Mr. Hamilton. So why don't you take it away? And, And by the way, you know, props, to you for showing up to a a sunday morning live stream as presentable as you do because full disclosure here you know i've got the hoodie on i haven't shaved i've got the pjs on here but hey sunday fun day anyways take it away sir
2: Dude, full disclosure, I haven't shaved in two weeks. I just don't have that that inane ability to grow facial hair. And also, as I declared at the beginning of the podcast, I am not wearing pants today because it is Sunday. So I will be wearing boxers as long (laughs) as I can, as long as my family will tolerate it. But I think watching the post-race show, Sam Collins had made a comment that, There were a few teams that got strategy really, really well today. And there's a few teams that got it really, really wrong. The teams that did well, obviously, to your point, Mercedes with Bottas, perfect. Red Bull with Sergio, perfect. Red Bull with Max, perfect. Perfect. Maybe maybe it felt like they went a little bit wrong, but for the reason I'm going to explain in a couple of moments, it ultimately worked out perfectly. Teams that were really off the mark when it came to strategy included, and you spoke to this a few minutes ago, uh, McLaren with Daniel Ricciardo. Now, the, at least the good news is, in terms of managing the chemistry and the culture of that team, was it was an agreeable decision. It was a collaborative decision that Daniel Ricciardo was in on that decision, but mm-hmm. ultimately coming in that early. Wasn't a good play because by the end of the race, based on the arrow setup of that car and because of Daniel's driving style, those tires had dropped off of a cliff and he was struggling badly by the end of the race. The other big miss that we should probably address on the, the podcast today is not only did Lance have a very poor showing as far as I'm concerned, but... Once again, you saw a situation where Aston made a really bad strategy call. And they, again, collaboratively, because we could hear it on the radio, they were openly discussing whether they should bring Se- or Seba in for. Uh, for slicks was they brought Sebastian Vettel in and they put him on slicks at a time when it was clear to everybody that no Formula One car in this race had any business being on slicks. They put him on slicks, which he agreed to, that he agreed was the right move. They put him out and he had a huge amount of trouble navigating a single lap. They bring him back in. He spins on the entry road into the pit, is very lucky he didn't make contact with the wall and break his rear suspension. Mm -hmm. They put him back on intermediates, and his race is over. Now, what I liked about Sebastian Vettel is... During the post-race interviews, he very much acknowledged that it was a we decision. It was a we decision. It was a we decision. We threw away our race based on that decision. Now, yep. there has been times in the past where a team will take this risk and they'll put a track or car out on slicks only to see the track dry up. And because you're the first one out there, you don't have to subsequently pit again, and it puts you in a really good position. We've seen actually Lance benefit from such strategy calls in the past, but in this case, it was the wrong call. Acon, this was really curious for. Really, maybe the first time in the hybrid era, at least the first time since 2016, we saw a driver stay out with the same tire for the entire lap or for the entire race, which was really cool to see. But And this kind of ties into the Lewis comments, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes. During the post-race interviews, Akon acknowledged that, hey, you know what? We managed to stay out with that one set of tires for the entire race. We managed to finish in the points, barely, they finished 10th, but he was very clear that had they stayed out for a single additional lap, he was expecting a tire failure. He was wow. very, very clear that it was lucky they were forts, and it can, part of this could be dramatic speaking to reporters and trying to build up the suspense of what had happened but he'd indicated that yeah he expected that if they had stayed out for a single additional lap based on his feel of those tires that they were probably going to suffer a tire failure so they may have been a little bit lucky now the other one and this is i think what we really want to get into and this is going to be the meat of the show is the lewis hamilton tire Mm -hmm. decision and we get criticized constantly even though you're a red bull fan we get (laughs) criticized constantly for being Lewis Hamilton homers and Hmm. being Mercedes homers and I'm going to be very very clear on this one that I did not like what I saw and heard out of Lewis today I am all for drivers expressing dissatisfaction and just expressing frustration I like to see that I like to see that they care and I'd like to see more of this out of drivers like Lance Stroll but I didn't love what I saw out of Lewis today and Mm -hmm. I think ultimately if he had pitted When he was first asked to pit, they probably would have been in a much better position. And this goes back to the fact, and I I leaned into a tire expert that spends a lot of time chatting with us via the Twitter DM. And he'd articulated very much like you did a couple of minutes ago that in these kind of wet, greasy conditions, these intermediate tires have a very interesting journey in their lifespan which is you go out they're fresh out of the tire blankets they're scorching hot although not overheating they're scorching hot and you put in one really great lap which is what happened with lewis when he did eventually go in the problem then is all that heat comes out of the tire and they crater the performance craters and they go through this graining period where they start to shed a lot of those a lot of those blocks of tread on the tire and in doing so they don't have a lot of heat at this point. Although you're starting to build up that heat again, you don't have a lot of heat in those tires and they're graining and you lose a ton of traction, especially in the corners. Now, once you get to that point where you've shed a lot of those tread blocks, they become this hybrid intermediate hybrid slick. And that's where the drivers want these tires to be, but it can take eight or nine or 10 laps to get to that stage where, Hey, we've got good heat in the tires. They've degrained significantly. They're in that kind of Sweet spot. And Lando Norris talked about this during the post-race interview as well, which is hey, you get these intermediates to a point where they're kind of a hybrid slick. That's where you want them to be. But the problem is Lewis came in so late in the race, he never had the opportunity to get his second pair of intermediates into that sweet spot. And the other thing, and I, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this, but the other thing that I really didn't like was I get it, during the race, you hear some really raw Audio from the drivers, Mm -hmm. but after the race, he was he was interviewed and he said the following: "I should have stayed out. My gut feeling was to stay out. I should have stayed out. I'm frustrated in myself for not following my gut. I work as a team, so I did the best I could with the advice I was given. And then the follow up question to this was: Hey, what do you think of Valtteri's performance today? Knowing as well, and to put this into perspective, it's not just that Valtteri scored a win; it's just that." Valtteri kept Max off the podium and had Max scored a win. Well, he didn't keep off the podium. He kept him off the top step of the podium. But had he not won the race himself, Max would have won the race and picked up an additional seven points. So the lead would be 13 points instead of six points. So when he was asked about Bottas, very quietly, sheepishly, looking away from the cameras, he said, and I quote, good job, great job. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, that, that that's... Not really the great greatest sportsmanship. I mean, uh, Bottas did uh, a great job there for the for the for Mercedes uh, today. I mean, l- like you say, I mean, he did Lewis a big assist by keeping Max uh, uh, in second place. I mean, Max just did not have the pace to to keep up uh, with, with Bottas all day long. So I mean, he uh, he, he keeps uh, so Max takes home eighteen points instead of twenty five. So you know there there's seven points that uh, that he took out of Max's pocket uh, that directly you know benefits his teammate. But also this thing, you know, you either win as a team or you lose as a team, right? And I kind of hate this sort uh, sort of thing that, you know, it's just like... I don't like to hear things like that because you know it, it is a team sport. Yeah, okay, fine. You know, you you felt like you you should have stayed out, but you didn't. I mean, ultimately, you know, you guys made that decision to go in. I mean, you know, just deal with it, accept it. You know, it, it is what it is. You know, it didn't work out too bad. I mean, you still have six ra- races to do something about it. But you know what? What I thought was very interesting about his tires, though, um, was that when you saw how angry and how worn some of the other tires were that were coming off some of these other cars, they were very very. Worn. They weren't only just bald, but they were very, very worn. And that's why I think it was very interesting that you brought up the point about these sort of hybrid inter- intermediate slash slick tires because Lewis's tires, I, and of course, I only got a really, really brief look at it in the pit stop like everybody else, but uh, most of the tread uh, blocks uh, were, were worn off of them, but they looked very, very slick right they they didn't look like they were really chewed out they didn't look like they were really blistering they didn't like uh, you know exactly. w- weren't in the same situation that you were talking about as Esteban Alcon who admitted that uh, you know had he gone another lap that uh, he was looking at an imminent uh, tire failure so I mean it, it is one thing to say that uh, you should have stayed out but the other thing is that the team also has the benefit of looking at the, the the telemetry looking at the information and knowing exactly where those tires are of course he's got the benefit of being in the car and feeling the car underneath him, feeling how those tires are performing. So you got to kind of weigh one against the other. Ultimately, it didn't work out. I mean, yeah, he's obviously upset because he probably feels like a podium at least got got away from him. But at the end, you know... (laughs) They, he did stay out a couple of laps longer because they told him box. He said he was going to stay out another lap. Uh, you know, probably was a, another two laps. And they said, you know, you got to come in right now, or else you know, th- this window that we have to Gasly is just isn't going to be there. And he really only hung on to that spot by the you know the skin of his teeth. And who knows how burned out those tires were? Because I think that he was just driving the wheels off of that Mercedes those last couple of laps. Um, you know, when that per- when that tire performance started to go away from him, just to keep ahead of. Uh, of Gasly because um, you know, if, if Gasly didn't get him, then Lando was right there. I mean, there there was two guys that, uh, that, that were in a position to make a move on him if he was struggling anymore to, to, to possibly gobble up that uh, spot. So, I mean, he got fifth, could have been sixth, could have been second, but, or sorry, seventh. But I mean, on the flip side could have been anywhere as high as third. So it's a a very strange afternoon for, for Lewis and where he ended up. Right.
2: Let me ask you a question. If you're on the pit wall mm-hmm. at that race, given the closing stages, and given the fact that you should probably have some understanding of how these tires wear. Do you keep Lewis out? Did did they no, make the right decision? I, I would have, did they not make the right decision? I, th-
1: I think that uh that, that Red Bull forced them into reacting because they they brought in Max, they brought in Sergio right away. If I was um, if I was a Mercedes and I was um you know Lewis Hamilton, I would have brought him in the very next lap knowing that he'd come through 11th. He put a lot of even though the tires look pretty good. I mean they put a lot of action and energy through those tires to that point in the race and I'm thinking, "Okay, maybe I'm not on for a Wednesday." Maybe I'm not on for a P2, but, you know, I want to stay as close as possible to Max Verstappen in the championship. And because remember, I mean, he only had a two point lead going into this race. I, I, you know, if I'm then uh, I'm them. I may be sacrificing the, you know, the the perfect result today, with the medium to long term uh, goal of a uh, vision looking down the road to where am I going to be at Yas Marina in in you know in in in, a, in about uh, two months from now, right? So I'm thinking, okay, today might not be the the, the result that we we really want, which is going to be a win. We're not going to put a, a ton of daylight between, between ourselves and Max and and open up a gap in the championship. I think you kind of have to look at it as a. Uh, uh, damage mitigation. And I, I would have just, uh, I, I would have, um, you know, gone in right after Max, try and come out uh, ahead of Sergio and uh, maybe give up uh, that, that uh, position, but uh, just limit the amount of points that I'm going to lose to Max. That That's what I would have yeah.
2: done. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I also don't Necessarily criticize Mercedes for bringing Hamilton in when they did at the end. No, I, I agree. I think ideally in hindsight, they absolutely should have done exactly what you described, which was bringing him in much later. I think the risk is that even though his tires didn't look terrible, and I think from the brief glimpses that you and I both saw during the broadcast and during the post shows, they weren't showing a ton of blistering the, you weren't starting to see the carcass show through the compound they seem to be in good condition but i think ultimately their data their telemetry and everybody back at mission control let's remember as well that it's not just the folks on the pit wall that are making these strategy calls they may have dozens of people back at their factory that are sitting at mission control running mm-hmm. every possible scenario modeling every possible scenario out. and i think their data told them that look if we leave him out, best case scenario is he's not going to score a podium. He's going to be passed by at least two drivers, and he's probably going to finish fifth. And the risk is if he stays out, what if he has a tire failure? So I think they looked at that and they thought, look, best case if we keep him out. He's probably going to finish fifth, but there's a high risk of a tire failure. If we bring him in, he's going to finish fifth, and there's less of a risk of a tire failure. So I think ultimately – when you consider what they were forced to do based on the timelines and the progress with respect to the race, I, I think they did the right thing. But to your point, he should have been in much earlier and they never should have been forced to make this decision. I wouldn't have left him out because I think the data clearly showed that given the gap in lap overlap performance versus him and the two cars that have finished ahead of him, ultimately, he was never going to finish on the podium anyways. And that this was the safe, safe bet. Because if you leave him out, there's that risk of a tire failure. And maybe he scores no points at all. And that delta, that gap in the WDC grows exponentially greater and puts him in a far more problematic position going into the final six races of the championship.
1: You know, I just want to leave, uh, one, one thought here before we take, uh, you know, one final break and then start to, to, to close it down is that, um, I, I think that, it, you know, Formula One is such a fascinating sports, uh, but, but two weeks ago we were talking about, you know, al- almost this exact same situation, but with McLaren and Lando just to, you know, how long, you know, it took for them to re- reach a decision. I mean, of course they were dealing with the torrential downpour in those last couple of uh, laps. They weren't feeding enough information to the driver. The driver say, no, oh, no, I can stay out. And it, it was a very very similar situation, and, and I think that uh, you know very much like uh, uh, you know two weeks ago in Russia, where somebody on the on the pit wall, you know, be it Seidel, be it whoever, so should have said, you know, Lando, you know, you're coming in right now. This is what we need to do. But they didn't, and of course they paid the price for it. And I think uh, today that uh, just the the way that uh, that that Red Bull and, and 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 props to them for for you know forcing Mercedes and specifically Lewis and uh, his engineers to be in in that position to react to them due to, to, to the double stop uh, from Sergio and uh, Max Verstappen because I mean it was a bit of a, a risky move the way that they did it but I mean like you said earlier it ultimately worked out for them and then it, it, it put them in that weird uh, situation but very much like McLaren two weeks ago somebody needed to make a call either uh, Lewis needed to make that call to either uh, stay out or come in or the uh, you know the, the they needed to make that uh, call in the pits and say no Lewis this is what we have based on the data. You need to come in right now. But, you know, they just kind of let it uh, fester for a little bit and it it costs them, costs them track position, costs them a podium, costs them points. And of course, it's not a huge gap in the championship, but we are running out of races. We're running out in the championship. And and who knows? I mean, there's a lot of things can happen over the remaining half dozen races, which the next one is CODA and two weeks times, which is awesome. Anyways, we'll be back in just a moment to uh, close it down, give some final thoughts. So don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to
2: wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
1: Okay, well, welcome back for uh, the final segment of a very unusual, but uh, you know, rather pleasant Sunday morning live stream here on the podcast is always up to speed with Formula One. It's actually kind of nice, uh, you know, but I, I was a little bit shocked that uh, you said for the first time this season, you didn't actually get up to watch this one live. And full disclosure, oh, you're I never to do. It on the air. <laughs> uh, I'm horrible, aren't I? But, uh, you know, I, I never watch it live unless it's in our time zone or some of the, the races in the, in the Far East or in Australia that seemed to work out, uh, you know, quite so well. I, I, mean, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm very lazy. So I, I have a lot of respect for the uh, the effort that you put into to get up and watch them live, so um, yeah. Any final thoughts, Mark, on, on this one? I mean, uh, like we said, there there wasn't a lot of action at, at the front there with uh, between Bottas and Max. Bottas very solid weekend. Uh, I think he can go home uh, with his head held high. Max, I think uh, you know, obviously will take the you know the the second place and the points that he got there. And uh, Checo, like I said, I thought uh, he had a good race. He defended and did what he needed to do for his team and for the team when required and ultimately I think if you're Valtteri Bottas, Max Verstappen and Red Bull I think uh, they're very happy and uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, his side of the garage are going to have a, a sit down and a good long chat uh, and regroup and get this thing right for the last six races of the season.
2: Yeah it's kind of like I said when we kicked off the podcast to me there might be a little bit of negativity and strain on the Mercedes side because Obviously, Lewis wasn't happy that he was brought in, but I ultimately think this weekend was a good result for both teams. And just as Max was in a position of damage mitigation last week, Lewis was in the same situation this week, and obviously he didn't have the same type of penalty as Max, and he wasn't able to recover as much ground as Max did. And the reason his penalty obviously wasn't as severe is because he only changed his internal combustion engine as opposed to... All of the all of the hybrid power unit componentry mm-hmm. that typically gets kind of classified as that power unit, but to me, I still think it was a good weekend for Red Bull to score a double podium was fantastic. And like I said, the first podium for Sergio since June. I think it was a fantastic weekend for Mercedes in the sense that Lewis was able to conclu- complete a race. He went from 11th to fifth. He scored some points, um, and Valtteri scored a race win, his first of the season, and it continues to put together what's becoming an increasingly solid, not exceptional campaign, but is continuing to put together a fairly solid campaign. I think the last comment I want to add, and this is a comment that Sam Collins had made during the post-race show as well, and you kind of touched on it earlier, that it's surprising that there weren't more instances of damage and DNF during the race. And he'd made a really interesting comment, and I'm going to unpack from it a little bit, but he made a comment that Oftentimes, when you see a little bit of contact between two cars, particularly when they're battling for position in a corner, you'll see a little bit of corner, maybe it's wheels rubbing, but ultimately you may see a DNF or maybe a double DNF because of that. And Mm -hmm. it's because cars typically suffer from suspension or steering componentry damage. And a lot of that's just the fact that when these cars are pushed off of their trajectory on a dry track, there are significant forces when suddenly that car is rotating and that tire is gripping at a, unexpected trajectory. And that puts a huge amount of force on the suspension and a huge amount of force on the steering component tree. And oftentimes that causes damage. So sometimes when you see a little bit of contact on a dry track, you might expect to see more frequency of suspension damage, which would lead to a DNF because they're not going to be able to repair that. His point here was typically when the wet track is really wet and gr- greasy like this, if there's <coughs> contact. Because there's less friction between the tire and the ground below, the cars just spin and there's less force on the suspension. So I thought that was an interesting point because early in the race, when we saw that contact between Gasly and Alonso, you might expect during a dry race that Alonso would retire because of suspension damage because of the forces that were applied to the suspension. So I just thought that was worth sharing. Other than my thoughts on the race, and there's a ton of other things that we could talk about, your earlier point. Kudos to signs. He put in a terrific finish to finish in the points, to finish P8. We could probably spend a little bit of time unpacking the disappointing finish, I think, for McLaren. Of course, they were on top of the world two, three Grand Prix ago when we were in Monza. Uh, but I think maybe we can save that for the Thursday show. And then just a couple of news stories that kind of filtered in over the course of the last couple of days. It doesn't look like we're going to China in 2022, which will open an opportunity for a couple of races. Maybe we see Imola on the calendar in lieu of China next year. In the spirit of talking about mental health, given the fact that it's World Mental Health Day, and we talked about this last Thursday. Total Wolf has quoted that the F1 rules, and this is by Autosport, F1 rules should be changed to ensure staff rotation to ease calendar pressure as we go into the world of 23, 24, and 25 race calendars. That is fantastic to hear. That's the right approach. Whereby motorsport.com is quoting Tost as saying F1 staff unhappy with a 23 race calendar should quote unquote should go. So a slightly different (laughs) approach there. Well, I, I
1: think that, you know, if that's his opinion, then I, I think that that uh, comment should be flipped around. You know, if that's the mentality he's going to have as a, as a team principal, you know, that's not how you treat your people. And, you know, th- th- that is actually a, a pretty BS and a pretty uh, stupid comment uh, by, by France totally Tost. Uh, you know, that, that's, I have no respect uh, for that. And that uh, that has no place in, uh, you know, in, in modern society. I mean, mental health is as important as, uh, as anything else. I, I just wanted to add on to one, one thing you were just uh, talking about there just um, before you just added on a couple of those other points i thought it was kind of cool some of the telemetry that they added on for the race today especially for some of these cars that had the cameras uh, sort of in on the, on the front nose just to the, the left side of the front wing and how they had the uh some of the telemetry sort of superimposed in front of the car on the track itself and i thought it was pretty cool especially when you get through those uh series of snappy corners at the end of the the, the lap there i think it's t- uh, corners 12 13 and 14 the, the right left right so What whatever it is left again, that brings you back into start finish. That was pretty amazing that even in those slippery conditions that going through those corners and they look so slow when they go through like these chicanes uh, on any track in formula one, but I thought it was kind of interesting going through that series of corners. They're still doing about 50, 60 miles an hour, 80, kilometers an hour in the wet. And it, it just is impressive, just the amount of grip that these cars have, modern Formula One cars, to go through corners like that. Because let, let, let's face it, 50, 60 miles an hour, that, that's the kind of speed that you and I are doing in on our ro- normal road car on the highway, right? And these guys are doing it in a Formula One car on the uh, you know quote-unquote uh, slowest part of the uh, the, the, the circuit. So you know that it might not have been the fastest lap that we ever seen at, uh, at at Turkey today it might not have been the fastest Turkish Grand Prix but still in the conditions still amazing amazing uh, performance but like you said there is a, a ton of other things that uh, we could t- talk about uh, today and every day i mean let's face it we could probably do sh- this show 5 days a week if somebody would only pay us to do that so nudge nudge wink wink uh, to the powers that be anyways on behalf of myself and, uh, and Mr. Hamilton here. Um, I want to deputize all of you as honorary Canadians this afternoon. Go out. If you're not going to have a, a Thanksgiving turkey dinner, go out, celebrate... Because it's Sunday, we're, you know, we're all here. We're all together as a Formula One uh, community. Go out and have a wonderful Saturday, Sunday afternoon. If you're uh, in Canada or celebrating, um, you know, Thanksgiving, uh, of course, happy Thanksgiving, especially to all our frontline workers, especially to all of those Absolutely. who put their lives in their line in the, the military and whatnot, who are away from their families and everybody that uh, may be celebrating um, away from their families as well, who uh, their profession keeps them away from home on behalf of myself and Mr. Hamilton and from the entire Formula 1 community um, here at Scootery F1. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back in a couple of days with uh, our slightly larger and looser pants. Probably not as slightly as large and loose as they were a couple of days ago. But hey, you know, tomorrow's a new day. We can start exercising again. So we're going to indulge and enjoy it. Anyways, that is it. That is a wrap. Thank you very much for tuning in this afternoon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the reviews that you've left for us on, uh, Apple podcasts, et cetera, that really does help mm-hmm. keep the show visible and helps grow the community. It's a lot of fun and we really enjoy it. If you want to get in touch, best way to do so is on Twitter and you can uh, find us there at Scooteria F1 pod. And if you want to uh, drop us a line, by all means, uh, do so you can send us an email, email at scuderiaf F1 pod at gmail.com. And that's it. That's a wrap. Have a wonderful rest of the weekend, and we'll catch you again Thursday night. That's it. Bye for now.